0: Morning. You guys look beautiful today. Everybody feel beautiful? Well, I know you didn't. Hey, feelings lie. Remember that? Feelings lie. I guess let me start with a question. I want you to think about your life where you're at right now, what you're doing, who you're married to, who you're dating, what you're... Whatever. I want you to think about the entirety of your life, and I want you to think, is there, is there anything in my life that's missing? Is there anything that, that, that I, I don't have today that if I had this one thing, I would... It, it would complete me. It, it would make me It would just put all the pieces together. Now I want to tell you this. If you're looking for a spouse, there is no complete package. I saw Alex look look to his left. Mariah looked to her, right? That person might check all the boxes. They might be tall, dark, handsome, muscles ripping down, yeah but that person will not complete you. So I know if you guys have watched that movie, anybody ever watched Jerry Maguire? That's just a sappy. Who's watched Jerry Maguire? He falls in love with that girl. You complete me. When God created Eve, he didn't tell Adam that Eve would be his completer. He said, I'm going to make a woman that will complement you, that will be comparable to you, that will be a helper suitable for you. But he never said, I'm going to make somebody to complete you. Because if you're looking for completion in your life in a person, or in a job, or in a status, or in an occupation, or in education, or, or, or anything, when that thing's gone, all of a sudden... You've gone from being what you thought was complete, now you're back to incomplete. So I watched this movie the other, I was what, maybe a week or so ago. It was called The Walk. Anybody ever seen it? I don't know if I'd recommend it. It was about a guy in 1974 who was a Frenchman. His name was Philippe Petit. And Philippe walked on a wire between the two twin towers. Now this was a true fact, 1974. When this guy was in France as a young guy, he sees an article, he's in his dentist's office, he sees an article or an advertisement about the twin towers being built, and he had done some, some little high wire acts you know, in, in town, and he was had a little circus act he would do, but there was something in him when he saw this, he said, I need to stretch a wire between these two towers and walk it. And so for several years he planned this event, illegal as it would be, and, and he made this, this, he got people involved and he made a plan to go up one tower, they would shoot an arrow, 130 some feet to the other tower, now mind you this is 110 stories in the air, this is when the twin towers were up, almost 1300 and some odd feet they'd run an arrow with a cord and they'd pull wires back and ropes and eventually they would string a wire between this, did it all night. And the distance or, or, or the gap between the two towers, and this is true of anything on a high wire, do you know what that distance is called? They call it the void, the void. And all through this movie he kept saying, something made me want to cross the void. It's what everything in my life come up to this one point cross this void. And so here he is, 1,350 feet in the air, no net, no carabiner, just a pole. I got sick to my stomach. (laughs) I don't like being up two steps. You know, actually just walking on this little thing is kind of... That's kind of nerve-wracking. So what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, the worst is, you know, you make one false step 1,300 feet in the air, and, and you're just going to be a splat on the sidewalk. If you don't die, you're probably going to get injured. All to cross a void. Well, as fate would have it, when he gets to the one side, the police show up. So they're ready to arrest him. So what's he do? Turns around like a lot of you guys and goes the other way. And guess who's waiting for him on this side? Police are over here. And what's he do? He gives a bow and he goes the other He does this eight times. He gets so confident at 1,350 feet in the air. At one point, he gets down like this. And at another point, he lays flat on his back on a wire, successful at crossing the void. He eventually goes back, they arrest him. He could have got hurt, he could have died, but in this case, he was successful. And when they pulled the wire down, what was still there? The void. See, even if you have a temporary success at chasing some void in your life, you might cross it three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. But at the end of the day, the void's still the void. And so I wanna talk to you today about, I got one point. Now, if you've been here for any measure of time, you know I normally have three points. I woke up at five o'clock this morning, it's like, oh my gosh, I've only got one point. So, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to drive that home. The point is you are complete in Christ. That's it. You're complete in Christ. So I want to read through Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. We're going to focus on verses 9 and 10. And then we're going to, at the end we're going to flip back to verse 8. Because after I want to talk to you about what that means to be complete in Christ, Paul gives us a warning in verse 8. I just want to talk about that. And I want to just try to unveil a little bit of the enemy's tactics. Because a lot of what, a lot of what the enemy does and the way he is able to deceive you comes out of a dissatisfaction in your life. If I can eliminate the dissatisfaction, I've just unveiled and I've exposed and I've rendered him idle with that weapon. Because what he knows, he knows what you're looking for, you've probably verbalized it, you've probably written it down, you've probably searched it on Google, he knows. And here's what I know about the enemy is if he can talk you out of who you are, you'll never walk in all that you are. If he can talk you out of who you are in Christ, you'll never fully walk in all that God has planned for you. And a lot of what he does is rooted in you being dissatisfied with what you have and where you're at. And think you're missing something. See, if you're here today and you think that you're not complete or you're missing something, there's only one of three explanations. You're not saved, which means you're not in Christ. You are saved, which means you're in Christ, but you don't know that you're complete. Or you're saved in Christ, you know that you're complete, but you bought into a lie. Other than that, there's really no other answer. So if I ask you at the end of the service today, who is complete? If your hand's not up, you either don't know or you're not saved. But I want every hand to be up. I want you to leave here knowing who you are, so the enemy can't talk you out of it. All right, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I told Phil this morning, I said, I only got one point. He goes, does that mean the short service? I said, nah, probably not. <laughs> I want to give you something to chew on today. All right, Colossians 2, reading out of the New King James today. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 10. Paul says this, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Has anybody ever seen the Apostle Paul? If you have, I need to talk to you after service. (laughs) He died like 2,000 years ago, 1,900 years ago. All right, so if he's writing this, he says, I want you to know what great conflict I have for you, speaking to the people at Colossae, the the Colossian church, for those at Laodicea, and for as many as who have not seen my face in the flesh. Guess who that is? You. This is for you, okay? Paul said, I've got some concern. I've got some concern for the church I'm writing to. I've got some concern for this church over here. And by the way, don't feel left out. This is for everybody. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Now, we're not going to teach on this today, but the mystery he's talking about is in, in... the previous chapter, chapter 1, verse 27, the mystery that Paul had revelation of was Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the fact that Christ is in you, that was hidden from the ages. That wasn't revealed until after Jesus resurrected and he revealed it to Paul. So Paul says, I want you to know this, but I'm concerned about something. He said, in whom, verse 3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words that's his concern he says i'm here's the mystery christ is in you and i want you to be encouraged i want you to attain to the fullness of the riches of the assurance to the mystery of the knowledge of of christ in you i want you to get there but i'm concerned that somebody could deceive you with their persuasive words He said, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I feel like I need to preach on those two verses maybe next time. There's so much there. Beware. Okay, so here's the beware we're going to end with today. Verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you. Through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness, everybody say all the fullness, fullness. of the Godhead bodily, and you are, say it, complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. All right, so I want to focus on verses 8 and 9, so let's look at that, next slide. It says this, verse. the next slide says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Does anybody doubt that all of the fullness dwells in Jesus? Pretty, Pretty solid on that point, right? It says that all the fullness dwells in him bodily. So it doesn't just mean when he was here on the earth in physical flesh, but even as a resurrected body, he still has a resurrected body, seated at the right hand of the Father, all the fullness of the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwells, resides in, lives in, and remains in Jesus. This word fullness, now I highlighted fullness and completed because they're actually the same Greek word. One, fullness is a noun, completed is a verb, same, same word though. And the word fullness means this, fullness can be the thing that you're filling something with, or it can be a thing which which has been filled. So in Jesus' case, he is the, I hate to say thing, but he's the thing that has been filled. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. And the word fullness was used in, in reference to ships. And so if I have a ship and it's just sitting there, it's empty, right? How do I fill a ship? What's it have to have in it? I heard one. Cargo. It's got to have some merchandise. So a full ship was this. It's a ship that had cargo or merchandise. Is it full yet with merchandise? No, because how's it going to get where it's going? It's got to have a sailor. It's got to have somebody to steer the ship. It's got to have somebody to hoist the sails. It's got to have, at that time, it had to have oarsmen. God has somebody to row the boat. And it also had to have soldiers. Had to have somebody to provide protection. If you think about that in the spirit realm, it's the same of Jesus. When you're in Christ, in Christ it says the fullness. What would cargo or or merchandise, I believe it's like gifts. All of the gifts are in Jesus. Do you think he's got a sailor or a navigator that could tell you where to go? Yeah, there's wisdom and there's direction. What about a soldier? Somebody to provide protection. What about an oarsman? Someone to provide strength. All of that, everything that fills the ship, everything, every character, every nature, every attribute of all three of the Trinity reside in Jesus. In the the first chapter, verse 19, Paul says it like this. He says, It pleased the Father that in Him all fullness should dwell. If we look at it in the Amplified, the next slide, it says, It pleased the Father for all fullness of the deity, the sum total of His essence, all His perfection, powers, and attributes, to dwell permanently in Him, the Son. There's never a time... That all the fullness of the Godhead is not in Christ. Do you remember Jesus said this? He said, do you not believe, John 14 verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? See, when he's in the Father and the Father's in him, everything is true of the Father is true of the Jesus, everything true of Jesus is true of the Father. They're one. Now he goes on to say this, back to Colossians 8 and 9, it says, for in him all the fullness, not some, not a majority, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, and you are what? Complete. Next slide. Let's go forward. Keep going. Let's go back one. Jared and I haven't got our sink down yet. We're getting there. So if all the fullness dwells in Jesus, and I'm in Jesus, what's in me? All the fullness that God had in me. I'm in him. I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. Does it ever leave him? No. And if I'm in him, never going to leave me. It's in me. I'm complete. So there's nothing missing. Is there anything missing in Jesus? Are you in Jesus? Is there anything missing in you? Anybody that tells you otherwise is speaking on behalf of the enemy. They tell you You're never going to amount to anything. You were born this way. You're destined to be like this. Your grandfather, your father were like this, and now you're going to be like this. See, I might even go as far to agree with you if you say I was born that way, whatever that way is. I might even go that far to agree with that. But you're looking at the wrong birth. My Bible says you were born again. And when you were born again, you weren't born that way. You were born the way Jesus is. And all the fullness is in him. And I am complete, and you are complete in him. There's no that way or this way. There's just Jesus' way. Look at this word complete. I want to show you what it means. You were there. Next. (laughs) Complete. Now, what I like about this, I'm just gonna put up there, it's in the perfect tense, passive uh, voice. What's that mean? If if you've heard me talk, I love the perfect tense in Greece because the perfect tense means this. Completed in the past, once and for all time, never to be completed again. So if you've been made complete, you're complete today. You're complete tomorrow, and a billion years from now, you're still complete. You, 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 see, the only power the enemy has over you is deception. You are complete. And it's in the passive voice, which means you had nothing to do with it. You believe Jesus, and you're the recipient of what he did. He made you complete, and when he made you complete, he completed it for all time. It says, to carry into effect, to bring to realization, to fulfill, to make complete in every detail. Every detail about you has been made complete. Every detail. Say this. I am perfectly complete. I am completely perfect. Well, you know, there ain't no perfect person but Jesus, and you ain't him. (laughs) Well, guess where I is? I is in him. (laughs) And you might be talking about the old Fred, but the born-again Fred is in Christ, and Christ has the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him bodily, and I'm in him, and he's in me. And I've been completely made perfect and per- perfectly made complete in him. That's good. Next slide. Look at this. Well, you, you know, because when you tell people they're perfect, then it kind of makes you feel like, ah, I shouldn't say it. That's like, maybe it's blasphemy. Well, how about what God's word says? What's this say? It says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, we have been sanctified. This this word sanctified is also in the perfect tense. It means made holy and set apart. We have been sanctified once and for all time through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. For by one offering, he has, say this, perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering, he sanctified me once and for all time. I've been made perfect forever, those who are being sanctified. So are you sanctified? Yes. Are you becoming sanctified? Yes. But in between the two, I'm perfect in Christ. And because what he is is what I am, and I'm becoming what he is. So he, part of your salvation is complete as it ever will be a billion years from now. And there's a part of your salvation where you're still becoming and transformed into the image of Jesus. But the fact remains, you are complete in him. So if, if I could get this one thing in your head today, when you get a bill, I don't know where I'm going to pay it, say this. I am complete in Christ. You can say it. Yeah, say it. (laughs) When you get sick, is there sickness in the fullness of the Godhead? Are you in Him? So you might be experiencing sickness, but in Christ you've been made complete. I get that you might feel like you're struggling in addiction, but you're complete. Well, you know, once an addict, always an addict. No, you were born new. You've been made complete. You might be living that way, but that's not who you are. And if you don't realize that you're complete, the enemy will take that dissatisfaction and use it to drag you elsewhere. And you will not walk out the fullness that God has for you. Here's what I know. Look at this next slide. The greater the revelation you have of being complete in Christ, the lesser the temptation to chase after things the devil has to offer. The greater the revelation you have of your completeness in Christ, the lesser the temptation to chase after what the devil has to offer. Look. Let's just go to the next slide. I'm going to show you the picture. Anybody know what this is on on this side? That that is my favorite piece of steak. That is a tomahawk ribeye. 48 ounces of the best fat and steak on a two-foot bone. Cooked to medium-rare perfection. If I had that on my plate in front of me right now, do you think anybody in the world could bring by an impossible burger and say, hey, look what I've got over here. It's an impossible burger. No, no. Why would I want to follow an impossible burger when I have a tomahawk ribeye? See, you don't realize that you have a tomahawk in Christ, and the devil's over here with this impossible burger. Hey, this is great! It's really a plant. <laughs> Do you see this? It says ham. It says it's false advertising. Burger patties made from they put made from plants, so you can't see it. It's even not scriptural. What did Gabriel say to Mary? He said, With God, nothing shall be impossible. It's wrong to eat it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Paul tells Timothy, he says, In the last days, there will be people preaching doctrines of devils to abstain from meat. Impossible burgers. Just kidding. Just kidding, It's the preacher coming out of me. (laughs) False prophet, false prophet. But the point is true. If you know who you are and that you're complete, and God has completed and perfected every detail in your life, that there is nothing missing, that you have everything in Christ, that you're whole and entire, nothing lacking, nothing missing, What's the devil got to offer you? Nothing but a bunch of plant-based burgers. Now, if I don't have the steak in front of me, or I'm not aware that it's in the kitchen, and I'm sitting there at an empty table, and somebody brings up this plant-based burger, oh, that looks pretty good until you taste it. And then you realize you're eating a plant. Now, see, it looks good only because I don't have anything to compare it to. And when you know who you are, and you know you're complete, you will disarm the enemy of his greatest weapon. I doing on this one point? (laughs) Driving it home. But the enemy's not this, he's not that, he's not that, he's subtle, right? It's not this obvious. Not this obvious at all. That's why Paul tells us this. Next slide. He says, I want you to beware. I want you to keep your eyes open and not your physical eyes because you can't see what you have in Christ with these eyes. So you can see what the enemy has with these eyes, but you got to use the eyes of faith to see who you are in Christ. He says, I want you to beware. I want you to be awake. I want you to be alert. I want you to be cautious. Beware lest anyone... Here's the thing. The devil's not here in a red suit. Hey, look at the plant burger. He works through people. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and every high thing, right? The enemy works through people. It's not the people that are bad, but it's the spirit behind them. And he says, beware, be alert, lest anyone cheat you Anybody have been cheated? Some translations say spoil you. Been spoiled. The word cheat, the Greek word cheat, actually means to carry off as booty. Now, look at you bunch of sinners, my gosh. Booty is not like that. We're not talking about going to the club. We're talking about something that a pirate gets, right? See, bunch see you guys. Look here, women's home director. <laughs> Would anybody ever steal anything that was, in, that was worthless? No. Paul says you need to be on the lookout because the enemy is going to try to steal the thing you have because he knows how valuable it is. If you didn't have anything and if you were incomplete, he's going to leave you alone. But because you have everything in Christ, Paul says, beware. Lest anyone cheat you, spoil you, carry you off as booty, actually to carry you off and make you a captive is the full intent of that word. And how does he do it? Through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Philosophies. We actually get our English word philosophy from the Greek word. It's sophia. Philos means love or brotherly love. Sophia means wisdom. Philosophy is a love or a pursuit of wisdom. It's, it's, it's a way of thinking. It, it's how you view things. It, it could even be expanded to be your worldview. And he says... Beware of somebody using philosophies, ways of thinking that are not according to Christ to cheat you out of what Christ has for you. Not all wisdom is godly wisdom. Do you know that? Do you know there's demonic wisdom? James says this in James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Next slide. If I'm missing something, if I've been deceived into thinking I'm missing something, what am I going to do? Go after it. And who am I trying to satisfy? Self. If there is bitter envying, what is envying? I want something that you have because I don't have it. If you have any envy, you don't realize who you are in Christ. Because, why would you want what they had when you have everything you need right here? So, if you have any envy or jealousy in your life, you're looking at the natural and not the spiritual. He said, if there's any bitter envying or self what? Seeking. Other translations say self ambition. Who are you trying to satisfy? Self. Who should you be satisfied in? Christ. He said, if there's any bitter envy or self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom. So this is wisdom. You might have got this wisdom from your friend. You might have got it from a book. You might have got it from a a psychiatrist, whatever. But if it's this wisdom that's self-seeking and bitter envying, he says, this wisdom does not descend from above. But it's what? Earthly. It's what? Sensual. Sensual doesn't mean sexual, it just means of the senses. It's feeling-based. And it's what? Demonic. It's earthly, it's based in the principles of the world. Sensual, it's based on what you feel that doesn't line up with what God's Word says, and it's demonic, it's the impossible burger. Don't fall for that one. But what's... what's, what's uh, Paul say about Christ. Look at this. Back to Colossians chapter uh, two. Earlier, in, we read this earlier. Next slide. No, next slide. There we go. New Living Translation says this. Paul says he says, "I want you to know this, so that somebody or lest anyone deceive you with persuasive words." Yeah. See, so the enemy can only do this. All he can do is lie to you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. The only authority and power he has in your life is the lie that you believe. He says, I want you to know this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. It says in the New Living, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this, and so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Why would I go to earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom when all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ? and they're in me. So if that thing missing in your life is an answer, guess who has it? It doesn't say some of the knowledge, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's got every answer for every question you've ever had. Just ask. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, he, said, he says, lest he deceive you through philosophy and empty deceit. Was the other thing in verse 8. Empty deceit. Do you know that word empty? It literally describes a vessel or a ship that's never been filled. And so here you are. You are the ship that's already been filled. In Christ, Complete but you're drawing on a wisdom of a ship that's got nothing in it. And he says, lest you be cheated through philosophy or empty deceit. Paul says this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, I fear this. He says that the same way the serpent tricked Eve through his subtlety or his trickery. Remember that he's tricky, Right? He's not obvious. He doesn't hold the burger right out here. He might, you know what he probably does? He probably puts a picture of the tomahawk on the front. But it's the impossible burger behind it. Right? He doesn't have, he, he's tricky. He says that the way the serpent deceived Ether is trickery, So your minds, remember, where is it? It's all, it starts here. It starts here. He says, lest your minds be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word simplicity also means singleness. Remember last week when Seth said, read you from Ephesians chapter 4? He said, there's one faith. There's one body. There's one Lord. There's one spirit. There's one God. And he said, we make it so complicated, but... There's just one. And Paul says this. He says, I'm I'm concerned that the same way the enemy deceived or beguiled Eve, that you will be too by the simplicity or the singleness that's in Christ. What he's saying is it's so simple, but nobody really gets it, that all you need is already inside of you. Peter said that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But we're out here thinking we're missing something and we're looking in every avenue trying to find what we already have. And whether you fall off that wire or whether you walk across it and come back, at the end of the day, the void's still there. But if you're in Christ, what, what we'll replaced the Twin Towers? One tower. One tower called the Freedom Tower, a new Tower, In New York City, it's 1,776 feet tall. Quit going between two, crossing the void, and there's only one. There's only one tower you need to be in, the Freedom Tower. So I just want to close today. I just want to show you how the enemy tried to attack Eve and how he tried to attack Jesus, and then we'll wrap it up. We won't take a lot of time on this. I really believe his number one tactic is to talk you out of your identity. Or I told you, if he can talk you out of who you are, you'll never walk in all that you have. And he knows that. And so the way he renders you ineffective is to convince you that you don't have what you already do have and that you aren't what you already are. And so when he went to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, what does the Bible say? It says, the serpent was more cunning, he was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, so, I probably don't have time to go into all this, but let's just say this. Three things the enemy will try to lie to you about. Who God is, who you are, and who he is. Really kind of sum it all up with that. But he says, starts this question, did God say? Did God really say this? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Next slide. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, lest you should surely die. Now that's not 100% true, because God never told him not to touch it. Next slide. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Flat out lie. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like Nobody up till today other than Jesus was more like God than Adam. Adam was created immortal. Eve was birthed out of, or taken out of Adam immortal, meaning they were created to never die. Every one of us has been born with a life sentence. We're eventually going to physically die. Adam was more like God than anybody to this day. When God said in Genesis 126 and seven, he says, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. The next verse said, So they created man and woman, male and female, in their likeness, or in his likeness and in his image. What Eve didn't recognize is she already was the likeness of God. Adam deceived her right out of it. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable would make one wise, she took of the fruit, gave it to her husband, or ate. And you remember the story when God comes and says, Adam, where are you? Or what'd you do? And he said, The woman you gave me. And then when he asked the woman, she says, The serpent deceived me. Because he tricked her out of who she was Thinking that there was something that God was withholding From her that she didn't have And all along she had everything In was made in his likeness Same thing happened to Jesus in the wilderness Matthew chapter 4 It says when the tempter came to him He said if you are The son of God Cast these stones down and make them into bread. Well, let's rewind the tape back to Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. The heavens part. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon Jesus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And a loud voice comes from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was the Son of God. Whether people got it or not, here's God shouting from heaven, this is my beloved Son. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes into the wilderness. The devil says, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made of bread. You know what? I love Jesus. He didn't fall for it. What's he do? It is written. First of all, I don't need to do anything to prove to you who I am. Oh, if you're really perfect in Christ, I don't need to do anything. All I need to do is know who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm in Christ. I've been made perfect. I've been made complete. As he is, so am I in this world. That's all I need to know. You can take all your whatevers and go, I'm going to say it, <laughs> yeah, and here's, don't ever leave here and say, well, well Pastor Fred said that I'm completing, no, Colossians 2.10, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said, God's word says I'm complete. The writer of Hebrews, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, I have been perfected forever. I don't need whatever you got to offer because I already got everything I'll ever need. Next slide. He takes him up onto the high high, uh, pinnacle of the temple. He says, Again, his identity if you're really the Son of God. Throw yourself down for here. here it is. The, do you know the devil knows scripture? Now he might twist it a little bit. Now I talked to somebody before service today that actually twisted scripture to get the result they wanted. Oh, no, not looking at anybody, Autumn. But how are you going to fight a devil that knows more scripture than you do? You better get some, it is risen, it is risen, he's risen. You better get some, it is written, in here. Because when he comes up with that impossible burger, you're not going to have, well, I know there's a verse on that. I I, I think it was in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, doctrines of, Uh uh-uh. You better have some, it is written, down in your heart. You better spend some time in God's word, because the devil probably knows more scripture than you do. All you gotta know when you leave here is this one scripture today. I am complete in him. If you want to say, I am complete in Christ. I am complete in Christ. Everything the enemy the enemy brings your way, all you gotta say, it is written, I am complete in Christ. Everything your friend wants you to get involved in. Hey, I don't need any of that. I am complete in Christ. You got terminal illness. Terminal illness. Okay, I get it. But God's word says you are complete in Christ. I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. I get it. But you are complete in Christ. Everything you'll ever need in life is in Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, how he gets it to you may be different. It may look different. It may not be the way you're expecting it. But the fact remains, you are complete. All right, that's my one point for the day. Let's stand up. Whitney, I want you to, I I, I don't, listen, I don't want everybody walking out of here. I want you to take, we're going to take five minutes, okay? So this is not dismissal. I want to sing that second song uh, that says uh, shake, like shake that tradition, right? What was one of the ways that we uh, get cheated through the tradition? Oh, well, we've always done it that way. Well, is it Christ's way or was that your way? So I just want you to, I want you just to bow your head. This is, this is, time, this is time for you and God. This is prayer time. So you're either praying for yourself, and if you don't need anything, but I think we all do, if you're not praying for yourself, I want you to pray for everybody else that needs something. So I just want you to get quiet now before God. If you wanna come forward for prayer, we all need prayer, there's no shame in that. We'll come in agreement with you for anything that you have thought you need in life. We will agree with you and we will pray over you. But I just want you to ask the Lord, say this, Lord, what what are you saying to me today? Look in my heart, Lord. What do I have that I've been searching for? What have I missed it on? What have I thought that I wasn't complete when all along I was? What has the enemy That's been lying to me about I lay it down, Every time every time This is my soul